So uh, let's stand together and let's read the word of God as it's written in Genesis chapter 28. Together, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone, that he had put under his head, and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our eyes that we may see Jesus. Open our minds that we may understand your scripture and to know exactly what you have for us this day. We pray this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you open your bulletin to the back of the bulletin, there is an outline of the sermon if you want to take notes. The main idea that I want to share with you today from this scripture in Genesis chapter 28 is this. God is always with us, but often we don't know it. We must wake up and see God in the midst of our ordinary lives. God is always with us, but sometimes we simply don't know it. We must wake up to see him in our midst. So why this passage? I always like to have the opportunity to choose a passage. uh, But why this passage? Well, I was prayerfully reflecting on why so many people seem to be walking away from the faith. Why so many people seem to be walking away from the Lord. So many young adults, even some of our own children, but not just young adults. Plenty of people are just turning away from God. The more public example of Josh Harris, I think Pastor Larry shared about Josh Harris, who is famous in Christian circles for his books on dating. He announced on Instagram that he is leaving the faith. So in the midst of all of this, I was doing the daily office. Uh, Many of you may be familiar with what the daily office is. I'm going to talk about that more later in the sermon. But for now, all you need to know is the daily office is a pause. It's a moment a day where you pause to reflect on God and what he's doing. It usually involves a scripture reading and some reflective reading. So I was doing this and pondering in my heart, and the reading that day was Genesis 28. God always has a way of drawing me back to Jacob. I don't know what it's about, but he always has a way of bringing me back to the story of Jacob. The story of Jacob has served me well 
over the many years of walking with the Lord. And here we are again today with the story of Jacob. Here's my old theory as to why people walk away from the Lord. Uh, walk away from the Lord. It was my theory that they walk away from the Lord because they've never had an encounter, a direct encounter with the living God. So many people proclaim the name of Jesus, but never have an encounter with God. And so you can understand why they would walk away, when, especially when things get difficult. And the problem is Josh Harris. I know enough about him and I know enough about people that I know who walked around, away from the Lord to know that they have had an encounter with the living God. Here's my new theory, and I do recognize that no matter what theory I come with, up with, it's not going to be able to fully explain why people walk away from the Lord. But here's my new theory. God is with these people who walk away from the Lord, but they, they don't know it anymore. God is with them, but they don't know it. Their eyes have become blind to Emmanuel, to God with us. And so God may be with them, but they can no longer recognize it in the circumstances of their lives. And as I was pondering all these things and I was reading this chapter in 28, verse 16 grabbed my imagination. Jacob wakes, awakes from his sleep and says, Surely the Lord is in this place, but I did not know it. That is a strange thing, isn't it? The Lord is with me. The Lord is in this place, but I didn't know it. There's a poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. I'm going to share uh, some of it at the end of the sermon as well. But she says in that sermon, I mean in that poem, earth is crammed with heaven. Another way of saying it, earth is saturated with heaven. But often we don't know it. Will we have eyes to see what God is doing in our lives? We must wake up in order to see what God is doing most of the time in the ordinary moments of our, of our lives. The book of Genesis, this book is a book of human failure and human sin from beginning to the end. But it is also a book about God's plan to rescue and bless this rebellious world. One of the key chapters of the book is Genesis chapter 12. In this chapter, God chooses Abraham, and he promises to bless him, to make him a great nation, and to give him a great name. And we, so we see what God's rescue plan is all about. God chooses to rescue his rebellious world by choosing Abraham and his family, his son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons who will become the 12 tribes of Israel. The second book of Genesis is all about the failures and sins of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons. How they constantly try to do things their way instead of God's way. Trying to make a name for themselves. Trying to get God's blessing on their own terms. In contrast to these failures, we see God's determination to bless this family and to rescue them from themselves. And this all leads us to chapter 28. God encounter, Jacob encounters God at Bethel. Before this cha uh, chapter, immediately before it, is the story of Jacob and how he steals his brother Esau's blessing. 
Remember the story? Their father Isaac is old and on his deathbed at this point. And the most important point of this story is that Isaac is practically blind at this point. And Isaac announces his desire to bless his son Esau. Esau goes out hunting in order to cook uh, Isaac's favorite meal. And when he was away, Jacob dresses up like Esau and he steals his blessing from his father Isaac. And Esau comes back and he is filled with hatred towards his brother Jacob. So Jacob, with the help of his mother, must run away. He must flee and he goes off to the land of his uh, grandfather Abraham in Mesopotamia. And he's going there to look for a wife, but his mother knows how upset Esau is with him, so he must flee and go to another land. And in the midst of that journey, God comes to Jacob in a dream. That journey to Haran is about 550 miles. That's a huge journey. And as night falls, Jacob grabs a rock for a pillow. Doesn't sound very comfortable to me. But that's what he does, and God shows up in this dream. In the Bible, God is often coming to his people and talking to them in dreams. He still does the same. I can't tell you how many missionaries I hear from Islamic countries talking about how God speaks to Muslims in their dreams. He comes to them, Jacob, in this dream. And on this dream, Jacob sees a ladder with all these angels ascending and descending. These, the English Standard Version translates it ladder. The NIV translates it stairway. The Hebrew word can mean either, so we don't exactly know what it is, but people who translate it stairway, they think of what it may be is what's called a ziggurat. It's actually, I have a picture of it here. It's a, it's a temple, a man-made mountain in Mesopotamia where there's this big stairway leading what they believe into heaven. So it's this bridge between earth and heaven. And many people, many scholars believe this is exactly what the Tower of Babel was. Man's attempt to reach from earth to heaven on their own, to secure God's blessing on their own. We simply don't know if it was a, a stairway or if it was a ladder. But we know there were these angels coming up and down and we don't even know what the angels mean. Typically, angels were messengers of God, sent by God to give a message to somebody on earth. But in the dream, the angels aren't saying anything, just simply going up and coming down the stairway. Now, the best explanation that I heard of the angels is that they are really there to serve as Jacob's protector. This makes sense because in verse 15, God promises to Jacob that he will keep Jacob wherever he goes. And if you go back to chapter 24, you may remember that Abraham sends out his servant. He says, I want you to go to the land, again, Mesopotamia. My, my family, Abraham says, my family, and I want you to get a wife from my son Isaac. And he says, an angel will go ahead of you to protect you and to give you uh, success in your mission." It could be that. We simply don't know. It's a dream. It's meant to be kind of fuzzy, and we don't completely understand. But what I do understand in this moment is, I wish I had a dream like that. Don't you? I wish God showed up to me in a dream like he showed up with Jacob. 
But most of the time, God shows up and he speaks to me in these very ordinary ways, in the ordinary moments of my life. So what about you? Are you looking for God to speak to you in some kind of dramatic way, some kind of dream like he did with Jacob? Maybe he will. I don't know. But if that's your desire, maybe God's speaking to you just in the ordinary moments of your life. Do you have eyes to see what he is doing right in your midst? Are you looking for God to speak to you in a certain way, to bless you in a certain way, to do things a certain way, like the people, all the people in Genesis? Are you looking to God for the way he wants to talk to you most of the time in the very mundane things of our lives? But what is clear is that Jacob is encountering God, and he's encountering also the promises of God. Let me reread the blessings and the promises that God gives to Jacob, verses 13 through 15. And behold, the Lord stood above it, the stairway or the ladder, and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you. And to your offspring, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It's almost an exact blessing that God gave to Abraham. It's almost an exact blessing, the blessing and the promises that he gave to Jacob's father Isaac. And now he gives it to Jacob. God, once again, here is the point. God, once again, establishes relationships on his terms. You know, Jacob's name, you, know what it, you may know what it means. It literally means deceiver. It means liar. He literally came out of the womb grabbing Esau's heel. Kind of this colloquialism, kind of this uh, uh, figure of speech in that day, meaning deceiver or conniver. That's exactly who Jacob was, trying to connive and lie and get God's blessing on his terms stealing his brother's blessing. And God says, no, it is on my terms. God is the one who always establishes how he will bless his people. All the families of the earth will be blessed through Jacob, including the family of nations known as New Life Church. That blessing is all the way from Abraham all the way to us as God's people and God's family. Now, when we were reading the scripture, I don't know, there are a couple words repeated, but there was one word repeated. It's actually repeated four times. It's the word behold. Behold, and there was a ladder that's set up on earth. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And behold, I am, God says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Behold, the scripture itself is begging us to look. It's begging us to say, see what God is doing in your midst. Where is God giving you his blessing? Maybe you don't recognize it because it seems like an unexpected blessing. Maybe you don't recognize it. Maybe we don't recognize it because it's not the blessing that we were wanting from the Lord. Behold and see God. 
and what he is doing. All of these promises find their fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the offspring that was promised. He is the the one who will bring heaven to earth. He is the one that is the bridge between heaven and earth. He, Jesus Christ, is the stairway. He is the ladder. Behold, we must see Jesus. What is God's ultimate rescue plan? It is Jesus. Jesus Christ came to do what no man could do. And he came as the, the link, the bridge between heaven and earth. Dying on a cross, behold the Lamb of God who comes to save us from our sins. We must behold our Lord and Savior, especially the work that he did on the cross, which establishes again a link between heaven and earth. And the power of his resurrection that offers us the blessings of God that was promised so long ago to Abraham. Jesus is the gate to heaven. We must behold him and look. You know, we know this by reading scripture. So many people, when Jesus walked on earth, they simply didn't recognize him. And why was that? Jesus was simply too ordinary to be their Messiah. You know, there is another way of saying, verse 16, that that verse that grabbed my heart. Let me just reinstate it in a slightly different way. Surely Jesus was in this place, and I didn't know it. Surely Jesus is in this place, and I didn't know it. It gives us a little bit of understanding of people who may have walked away from the Lord. There there comes a time when Jesus was surely in their midst, and they no longer recognized it. Think of all the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Jesus walked among them, and they didn't even know it. But then in contrast, think of the Roman centurion in Matthew 27, verse 54. That, That verse says, When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, that is on the cross, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of Man. We must pray that the people of our nation, even with all the prayers that I prayed, that they would have eyes to see Jesus who is in their midst. We must wake up, all of us, to see God in our presence. Jacob wakes up and sees God, and he says, surely God was in this place, and I didn't even know it. That's an amazing imagery for us, isn't it? Waking up from a dream and recognize that God was with us all along and we didn't even know it. God was always with Jacob, even when he was conniving, even when he was stealing the blessing. God was with him because he was determined to save him. God is with us even when we try to get things on our own terms, even when we try to bring heaven to earth in our own ways. God is with us because he loves us in Jesus Christ, and he is determined to bless us. Surely God is in this place, and I didn't know it. So Jacob takes this rock that he used as a pillow, and he turns it into a pillar, pours oil on it as a symbol that God was with him, and he calls the place Bethel, which means the house of God. It used to be called Luz, and now it's called Bethel, the house of God. And then verse 17, Jacob was afraid. 
He knew that God was with him. He was afraid. He says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. There are gates of heaven in our lives if we have eyes to see them. There are houses of God right in our midst if we have eyes to see them. Here's a quote from the New American Commentary. Because of the presence of God, this public space becomes holy, the house of God. By morning, the ordinary stone will mark a hallowed place. Such is the deity that Jacob worships. The Lord takes the mundane and transforms it into the sacred by his very presence. And Jacob named it Bethel. I was thinking about Jesus. Just think about Jesus as the temple of God. Jesus as the one linking heaven and earth which means anywhere that Jesus walked when he was on the earth, that became the new Bethel. Bethel was wherever Jesus walked. Then Jesus rises up to heaven. He brings his spirit into his church, the house of God, which is us. We, as the people of God, are the house of God. We are the new Bethel. We are the ones that get to demonstrate heaven on earth for people if we have eyes to see and we don't turn away. Turning, ordinary, uh, turning an ordinary place into holy ground. And like Moses, we must take off our shoes in the presence of God in the burning bush. Where is God asking you to wake up? Where is God asking you to wake up in the ordinary moments of your life? What is God doing in your life right now, and you don't even know it. Again, back to the poem by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She says, Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck back blackberries. Blackberries, a perfect symbol of something that gives us joy on earth, giving us a momentary pleasure and not even realize that God is in our midst right now in the circumstances of our lives. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be the ones going around picking blackberries when God is in my midst and I don't have eyes to see him. God, open my eyes that I may see what you are doing. God, open the eyes of the people of New Life Church that we may see what you are doing with us this day. And so we come back to the daily office. The daily office, um, there's a lot of different ways to do it. In fact, in October, we will be going through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class. Some of you have heard this. Uh, we'll be using it as a curriculum. Half of that curriculum will be in Sunday school class. Half of that curriculum will be in community groups. We have a huge community group launch on September 8th, where after the service, all of our groups will be outside, and you will have a chance to sign up if you're not a member of community groups. So we're encouraging everyone to do that. We're going to keep talking about this now every single week. But we will be going through emotionally healthy spirituality uh, in these groups, as well as in Sunday school class on Sunday morning. And one of the main assignments in emotionally healthy spirituality is the daily office. It's two moments, maybe three moments, during the day where you just stop 
You stop whatever you're doing. You pause for a couple minutes to recognize God and his very presence in your lives. It's a way of practicing the presence in your daily, maybe even ordinary lives. It's a way to say, open my eyes, Lord, to see what you are doing. So I figured we'd give it a practice. I figured we'd take the daily office and do it right now. You have to wait till October. I'll give you a chance to do it right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take two minutes of silence. I'll set the alarm. And uh, we'll just take two minutes of silence. And the main thing I just want you to reflect on is, where did God show up in your week? Just think of your week. Where did God show up? Especially where you sh maybe showed up and you didn't even recognize it. So let's take two minutes. And let's just quiet our hearts before the Lord. And after that two minutes, I'm going to share a brief example of how God showed up in my life this, this week, and then we'll take a t two more minutes of silence. Let's go before the Lord. Okay, that's two minutes. Oh, if the spirit was moving, kind of directing you through your week. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of how God showed up in my life <clears throat> this week. On Friday, I had a day off. Uh, Fridays is my day off. That's my Sabbath. Sunday tends to be a work day for me. Uh, so Friday's the day I just take my Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest is just a way of pausing, right? It's a way to kind of think through what God has done in our week. And I was reading Psalm 27. I was reflecting on it with Tim Keller's devotional called The Songs of Jesus. I, read a psalm, I try to read about a psalm a day, half a psalm a day, and just reflect. I love this book by Tim Keller. And this is, what, this is an excerpt of what he was writing on Psalm 27. He says, If our hearts delight in God and in his face, 
then we can, we can contemplate losing earthly joys without fears. Why? If our greatest treasure, communion with the living God, is safe, of what can we be afraid? So our fears can serve a very important purpose. They show us where we have really located our heart's treasure. Follow the pathway of fear back into your own heart to discover the things you love more than God. And so in that prayer, I, I was just asking the Lord to help me follow my fears into my own heart. And it quickly led me to my own children. Um, and I do have permission from each one of my children to share this story with you. So I was sitting in my living room as I was reading this, and as the moment I asked God to help me trace my fears into my heart, I immediately turned my attention to a picture of my nephew, Evan, which is on the bookcase in our living room. And here's immediately what went in, on in my heart. <clears throat> Evan does everything his parents tell him to do. He does. Evan is just one of those kind of kids who, if his dad tells him to do this, he does it. I don't think he does it perfectly, but he does a lot of it. He's, he's studying, he'll be a senior in Oberlin, studying to be a, a doctor. And immediately you could tell that my, what was going on in my heart. It was fear. It was fear for my own children. Fear when they don't listen to what their father tells them to do. Now, like I said, Evan often does what his parents want them to do. Sometimes my kids do what I want them to do, but not often. My heart is often filled with fear for my kids' future. So do you see where my treasure is? Do you see what I'm relying on instead of God? My kids, their future, them listening to me as if I were their God. You chase your fears, it goes right to the idol. And God showed up in that very mundane moment of me just looking at a simple picture of my nephew. He showed up in that moment and made that ground holy by his very presence. And he tapped me on my heart and he showed me where I was trying to get his blessing my terms. God was in that place, and I didn't know it until he revealed himself to me and revealed my own heart to me. God is in, I think what God was just trying to simply tell me was, I am in every single moment of your life, and my rescue plan for you is not based on you. It is based on Jesus Christ coming to save you. That's the whole reason there's this bridge now between earth and heaven. There's this bridge between your simple moments of everyday life and the powerful, holy presence of a living God. God is with you in every single moment if you just pause and take time to see him. So we're going to take two more minutes. Maybe you'll want to do the bold thing of tracing your fears this week and ask God to open your heart. Or maybe you'll just sit, like, simply think through the week that you had. But either way, I'm convinced that in the next two minutes, God wants to show you something. So let's turn our hearts again to the Lord.
God is always with you. But sometimes you don't know it. May God grant you the eyes to see Jesus right in the midst of your ordinary lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that even though we might not recognize it at all times, you are always with us. And you have determined to bless us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the amazing thing of that blessing. We are amazed and struck with awe, just like Jacob, that you have set up a holy house on your earth, that Jesus, you are Emmanuel, God with us at all times, that Holy Spirit, you're constantly stirring up our hearts that we may have eyes to see Jesus Christ. Be with us this day. Be with us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you a quick homework assignment. Can you bring up that one slide? So your homework is just simply this, to set up an alarm each day. It doesn't matter when it is during the day. Maybe at lunchtime, it doesn't matter. Set up an alarm on your, on your watch, on your phone, at work, whatever. When that alarm goes off, you're going, to take two, you're going to take two minutes to just quiet your heart and do exactly what you did here today. You're going to quiet your heart. God, where are you in my midst right now? And then uh, where, where, did, where is God showing up? And then I want to encourage you to take another two minutes of silence. That's your homework assignment. One time a day, okay? I'll invite the, uh, the prayer team forward. You can uh, come up here. There'll be prayer teams on my left and right. If the Lord is really speaking to your heart today, please come up and let's pray together. Let's stand and worship the Lord as we close out our service.